You may be seated. <laughs> Amen. I was going to say that. Oh, man. <laughs> you just stole my line. <laughs> Amen. You guys are doing well? Praise the Lord. And uh, again, I just want to say uh, thank you for your generosity, your hospitality. Uh, thank you for welcoming us uh, so warmly here. Uh, my kids felt right at home. Uh, my kids made new friends. We made some new friends. And we're just thankful for your love for missionaries, uh, your love for us. Uh, and, we, and we can't wait to be back. Amen. Uh, we really can't wait to be back. Uh, thank you, preacher, for the invitation, the opportunity to be here and share the word. Amen. Something that I, I just love to do. I, I, I love preaching. I love preaching. I, I, I love talking about God more than I love talking about ourselves, right? And talking about our, 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 our ministry. I love to tell what God, uh, what God has. Amen. And it's just a blessing to be able to do that. Um, please keep praying for us as well as we will be traveling to uh, Pensacola uh, Tuesday. So please be in prayer for us. Uh, Pray that our van is going to last. Amen. Uh, if you believe it or not, we still have the same vehicle that we had when we were on deputation six years ago. Uh, it has now close to 400,000 kilometers on it. So about 250,000 miles, I guess. Uh, and the guy at the, at the border, when he saw our van, he said, Brother, are you sure this is going to make it down to Florida? And I said, well, I mean, that's what we've been praying for. And he says, oh, yeah, God's will, right? And I said, yes, something like that. Yeah, God's will. And so please keep praying for us. In fact, we, we, uh, we lost uh, an, an accessory on our way down. Uh, we stopped in, where were we at again? We were in Virginia, I think, and we stopped to grab a bite. And uh, we looked at our van and my wife said, honey, I think, I think we lost a part here. And it was just, just a, small, a small trim on the side of uh, the door there. So funny, but hey man, it, it's an adventure. And, uh, and unless you're, uh, you're, you're in God's adventure, then you don't have any of these stories to tell. Amen. And we just love to tell the stories that God has done in our life. And what he's, he's going to continue to do. Amen. And so turn to Philippians chapter 2, please. Philippians 2. Um, this is one of my favorite books in the Bible. And one thing that is cool and fun about the Bible is that uh, when you dig into it, you just find, you, you, you find a, 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 a depth of insight and the depth of treasure that you wouldn't find unless you would you're going to dig in and so most of you would probably know that the book of philippians is called the book of joy right and it, it is true that joy is involved and is present in this book but i'd like to suggest that the main reason for the book might not be to talk about joy I think the main reason of the book is about one mind, uh, singularity of purpose. And that translates into joy. 
The joy that Paul is talking about, I believe, comes from that singularity of purpose that he has. And when you look at the book of Philippians, for, for example, uh, Philippians 1 and verse 27, at the end of it, it says, that ye stand fast in what? One spirit with what? One mind striving together for the fate of the gospel. And then in chapter 2 and verse 2, he says, Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having what? The same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. I press toward the mark for the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus-minded. And if in anything ye be otherwise-minded, God shall reveal even unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. So you, 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 you can't really argue that single-mindedness is not present in this book. In fact, one of the reasons that Paul wrote this book to the church at Philippi was to resolve a disunity within the body, right? And he writes about it in chapter 4, where he beseeched Iodias and Syntyche that they be what? Of the same mind in the Lord. So obviously Paul, throughout his book, is making a case for singularity of purpose, And that singularity of purpose, my friends, is missions. And look at it, chapter 2, verse 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other, say the word, better. Let each esteem other better than themselves. Verse 4, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. And then he says this, let this mind, what mind? Well, the mind that we've just talked about in verse 3 and 4, be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And then he explained how Christ possessed that mind and that singularity of purpose. And so tonight I'd like to preach this message singularity of purpose. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful and grateful and in awe of who you are. We are thankful, God, that you've revealed yourself through your Son, Jesus Christ. And we are thankful, Father, that we can learn about you in this book, that we can learn about us in this book, and that we can learn what we should do with all that knowledge, Father, in this world. And Father, please help us to be single-minded so that we may move forward for your glory, Father. And I'm praying all these, these things in the awesome, holy, blessed, and great name of Jesus. Amen. The church at Philippi was born out of a clear call, right? Remember, the Macedonian call, Paul, come over here. We need you. We need your help. It was also born out of great trials. Remember when he was at Philippi, Paul suffered great trials there, but out of all of this, a church was born. 
A church was born, and this church was very, very special to Paul. In fact, throughout this whole epistle here, Paul is pretty much praising the Philippians for what they have become, beside the fact that he is trying to restore order and restore unity within the body. But Paul loved that church. He cared for that church. And he noticed something that is going to help that church go forward. And that thing is single-mindedness. Now, Philippi was a Roman colony. It says that in the book of Acts. Now, when you, when you read that quick, you don't, you don't make much note of that. But being a Roman co- colony was a big deal. Uh, you had special privileges as a Roman colony. You would not pay any taxes because you, were, you, you would live in that colony. In fact, there was a lot of Roman guards that would actually re- retire there, and they would be honored there. And so the, the city of Philippi was a very prideful city. But, I, but in that city, in that, in that place, was this little church that we call the church at Philippi. And Paul wanted that church to be different from what, the, from what the culture was back then. And so, in order to do that, he, 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 he explains to these Christians that they will need to be like-minded in one thing. And look at what it says again. Verse 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, which would have been very typical traits of the Philippians, uh, of, of, of the Philippi city. But he says, But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. So in a society where Everyone was, was trying to one-up the next person. Paul says, no, no, no. Here's what, you're, here's what you're, you're going to do. You're going to esteem the person besides you to be better than yourself. Now, it was hard for them to do, and it's certainly hard for us to do that, right? If you look at the person beside you, in front of you, behind you, the mindset is, this person is better than me. Look at verse 4 again. And then he, he, he adds this. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Now that doesn't mean to stick your nose in someone else's business, all right? It means to value the other person more than yourself. So you are adding value to people beside you more than you would add value to yourself. Now, that would be in direct contrast with the society and the culture there, which would eventually make a difference in that town, right? So he says this after. He says, let this mind be in you. So he says, you, 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 you need to possess this mind You need to be like-minded in this, which was also in Christ Jesus. So now, Paul is going to give us four examples of people 
that have this mind, that have this singularity of purpose. And it starts with the greatest example of all, right? The Lord Jesus Christ. And look what, what it says. Verse 6, Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of man, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So here's the supreme example of a being who had singularity of purpose. And here, here it is. He was, he was willing to surrender what was already his, so others might be blessed. Surrender what was already his, so that others might be blessed. Now, isn't that what mission's about? Sometimes we think about missions and we think about the program of missions, right? Uh, but that's not it. Missions is not a program. Missions is the life of the believer and is the life of the church. So when we talk about missions, we're talking about this here, okay? Being willing to surrender what's already yours so that others might be blessed. And Jesus did that, right? He was in heaven at the right hand of the Father, enjoying all the, all the benefits and all the glory that, that was in heaven. But he willingly came down, surrendered to the will of the Father, because the Father loved us so much that he wanted to redeem us unto himself. And his son willingly surrendered his will to the will of his father and came down. It says that he made himself of no reputation. My friend, Jesus has a lot of reputation. Jesus is king. He's not only king, he's king of kings. And he said, I'm going to willingly lay down what's already mine so that others might be blessed. And in fact, aren't we blessed in Jesus? Amen. Well, Paul says this, he says, guys, you need to be of one mind, a singularity of purpose. You need to be willing to put value on other people more than yourself. And this mind that I'm talking about, Jesus had it. Jesus has it. He still has it. So this is the first example, right? It, he is the supreme example. Now, sometimes when we say that Jesus is the example, it's kind of hard on, on, on us, right? Because we're like, yes, I get it, but that's Jesus. I mean, uh, he, is, he is perfect, he is holy, he is incredible, and I'm not. And it is hard to relate 
to such a person. And so Paul is going to give us three more examples of people that has the same mind. And he's going to start with himself. So look at verse 17 now. Look at this. Yea, and if I be offered up upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you. Did you get this? If I be offered up upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. So Paul here is explaining that there's a possibility that I, be, that I become a martyr for Christianity. And if this happens, I joy and I rejoice. Why? Because the purpose will be accomplished that you will be, you will be blessed. And I consider you to be better than me. And I want to put value on you more than I put value on my own life. And I want you to be blessed, and I joy if I do that. Now, this is missions again, guys. It's missions. It's missions in your house. It's mission where you work at. It's mission when you're at, you're at the church. It's mission when you have local outreach. It's mission when you are participating in global missions. This is missions. Denying some of yourself so that others might be blessed. Christ possessed it. Paul possessed it as well. Now again, we have Jesus Christ, which we think it's, 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 it's unattainable. It's, it's too difficult to reach. Then we have Paul, and we're like, man... <laughs> Paul is hard to reach too, right? He's, he's out there. So Paul's going to give us two more. Look at verse, um, verse 19. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy shortly unto you, that I may also be of good comfort when I know your state. Look at verse 20. Man, this is so good. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. Right? This is so good, guys. So good. So he says, all right, I give you Jesus Christ as an example. I am telling you that if I lay down my life, it would be, it would be good for your sake, and I'm going to rejoice for that. And he says, I want to send you this guy. And I mean, this guy is the real deal. <laughs> this guy, you're going to love him. His name is Timotheus. And I, I, I hope I'm going to be able to send him unto you. Because there's no other guy on this earth that is like-minded like him. And he says this. He says, who will naturally care for your state. Paul did, Paul did not even have to do a pep talk to Timothy and say, all right, Timothy, now, when you're going to get there, okay, you're going to make sure that you're going to take good care of them, okay? Now, please, I love these people, so please, Timothy, take good care of them. He said, I don't even have to do that because this guy naturally does it. 
And you know why he naturally does it? Because he is like-minded. Like Paul, like Jesus. He will naturally care for your state. So Timothy is another example of someone who is going to look out for the benefit and the good of others before himself. And he will naturally do that. Now, I, don't, I don't know about you, but this, this, this is exciting. This is great. And we can all have this mind, guys. Okay? We can all have this mind. We just need to realize who Jesus is, who he is, who he is. Recognize everything about who he is, his person, his work, what he desires most. And then we can have this mind because we have his example. So let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We need singularity of purpose. And when we have singularity of purpose, personally, we can then bring singularity of purpose in our home. Just, just like what Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That singularity of purpose. It was first his, and then he says, my whole family is going in that direction too. And then, you can have it at church. If everyone here in this church would grab this mind that blessing others is better than myself being blessed, and if I look out for the needs of the people around me more than I look for my personal need, I mean, a mission revival would break out. And localized mission revival, meaning that you would care for your neighbors more than yourself. You would care for your co-workers more than you care for yourself. You would care for your family more than you care for yourself. And therefore, you would possess this mind. And if everyone has this same mind and goes in one direction, then mission takes off. Amen? So we have Christ we have Paul. We have this guy named Timothy. Look again, verse 21. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Jesus Christ. So what he's saying here, he says, you know what? The majority of people around all seek their own, not the thing of Christ. But what he's trying to say is, not this guy. Certainly not Timothy, because Timothy cares about the things of Christ more than his own things, right? He's, he's making a hyperbole so that he can, uh, he can focus on what Timothy does, which is caring about the things of Christ. And when you, you care about the things of Christ, you care about others more than you care about yourself. This is singularity of, of purpose. This is single mindedness. This is what Paul desires for the Philippians to have, and this is what Christ desires for us to have as well. Verse 22, it says, but ye know the proof of him, that as a son with a father, 
he had served with me in the gospel. And he wants to send them out shortly. And then there's another fellow. And this one is a little bit less known, right? And oftentimes some of God's choicest servants go unnoticed. Oftentimes. This guy's name is Epaphroditus. Look at verse 25. Yet I supposed it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. So he's saying, I think it is necessary for me to send you back Epaphroditus. Now, the word Epaphroditus, this name means beloved of uh, Epaphrodite. So the, 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 the goddess of love, right? So Epaphroditus was a Greek convert. Though he bears a pagan name, his spiritual name, right, is in the book of life. Amen. And he serves the living God. And he became a Christian probably under the ministry of Paul. And this guy, it says that he is first a brother, meaning he's a believer. Second, he's a companion in labor, meaning he is involved in service. He is a fellow soldier which means that he would stand beside you if need be. He would stand behind you if need be. And he would take a beating in front of you if need be. He's a fellow soldier. He's a strong guy. He's strong in his faith. He's a brother. And he's a, he's a companion in labor. He works hard. And then, look, he says, but your messenger, your messenger, So he was from that church, and he that ministered to my want. So Epaphroditus was the guy responsible for bringing an offering that the Philippian church had gathered to Paul. Now, bringing a cash offering in that day was uh, very difficult. It was a treacherous journey from where Paul was in prison, from where the offering was coming from, Philippi. It was a long journey, very dangerous. So the, so the Philippian church had, uh, had commissioned this man to bring this offering to their friend, Paul. Now, if you commission someone with a good sum of money to travel hundreds of miles of dirt roads, dangerous roads, you need to trust the guy, right? You would make sure that you would trust the guy. And the testimony of Epaphroditus that Paul mentions, that he's a brother, he's a servant, He's a fellow soldier. These are the qualities that I would look for, right? 
I mean, he's a guy that works hard. He's a guy that I can trust because he always has my back. And he's a brother. So the Philippian church chose him to deliver this offering to Paul. Now, while on his journey, he got sick. Very, very sick. Look at verse uh, 26. For he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because that ye had heard that he had been sick. For indeed he was sick nigh unto death. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. So what Paul is saying here is, when he delivered that offering, either he got sick when he, when, when he got there, or he got sick on his journey there. We're not, we're not sure. But the truth and the matter is, he was extremely sick, and he almost died. And if it wasn't for God's mercy, he would have died. <clears throat> but he was faithful in delivering the offering. And Paul noted that. And I just want you to, to, to look at Epaphroditus' um, mindset here. Look at verse 26 again. For he longed after you all, so the people of Philippi, and he was full of heaviness because ye had heard that he had been sick. <laughs> so this guy, right, his heart was heavy. He was full of heaviness because he had heard that they had heard that he had been sick. And so he, he cared more about how they were feeling regarding his illness than how he was feeling regarding his own illness. So again, we have a guy, a Christian, who has this mind, the mind of Christ that Paul possessed and that Timothy possessed and that Epaphroditus possessed. He cared more about how they were feeling than how he was feeling. Look at verse 28. I send him, therefore, the more carefully, that when ye see him again, ye may rejoice, that I may be less sorrowful. Receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such in reputation. Meaning, Philippian church, you need to consider what this guy has done. You need to remember his service and his dedication to your church. And you guys are an example of how you take care of missionaries. We've been extremely blessed and we are extremely thankful for what you've done for our family, what you've done for our former pastor. Uh, we are eternally grateful to that. And I believe you guys have this mind. Collectively, you have this mind. Look at verse 30. Because for the work of Christ, he was nigh unto death. Again, another proof that he has the mind of Christ, not regarding his life. To supply your lack of service toward me. Your lack of service toward me only 
only means that the Philippian church was not able to do what Epaphroditus was doing. Like they, they, they just couldn't physically do it all at the same time, right? They had one guy, and he did it. And God had mercy on him. Now, the mind of Christ is not something that is mystical, okay? Nothing's mystical in that. In fact, Christianity is not mystical, okay? It is not. It is simple, it is practical, it is rational, all right? Paul is saying, in order for this church to move forward, you guys will need to be united in purpose. You guys will need to embrace this mindset. The mindset that the person beside you is better than you. Now, it takes, like Christ had, it takes humility. Humility. And it takes a great deal of it. Because you're going to face people that um, are not very lovable, right? Yet, when you were not lovable, Christ still loved you. Amen. So you need, we, we, we all need to put our spiritual eyes, our spiritual glasses, and see the world as a mission field. And when I, when I said that missions is not a program, is that each and every one of you are on mission every day. Every day we are in this missions. And that's what I'm trying to tell my church as well. I'm trying to, to tell them, guys and gals, when you go out, you are a missionary. And in your own right, a missionary at your workplace, a missionary in your own family, you're a missionary when you're out at the restaurant. You're a missionary when you're out at the grocery store. And I know it, it, it sounds cliche, but that's what it is. And if it sounds cliche to you, it might just be because... You don't have this mind. And having this mind is, the, is one of the greatest things that we can possess. Because when we take our focus off us and we put our focus on people around us, we really see God do a great work through us. Why? Because this is who Christ is. This is his mind. And it was the mind of Paul. And it's the mind of Timothy. And it's the mind of Epaphroditus. Now you don't have to be a full-time missionary in a foreign country to do that. If God wills that, he will make it clear in your life. And you're not going to be able to, uh, to refuse it. It's going to be such a burden that you're going to want to prostrate yourself and say, not my will, but thy will, Lord. I remember vividly at uh, Campus Church when I heard that message, no, 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 no reserve, no regret, no retreat. And it's hard to describe how it was so real 
And God used that message and he used that man in order to call me into full-time ministry. But you are in full-time ministry, okay? Remember that. <laughs> Remember that, please. You have a mission and God has equipped you for that mission and God will bless your faithfulness in that mission. But your missions start by realizing that it's about others. It's, it's not about you. And you want examples? You have a bunch of examples in just one chapter of the Bible. There is, there is way more after that. Way more. But I think that this book, when you read it from beginning to end, you can see Paul's desire for the church to be single-minded. And Paul, he says in, verse, in, in, in chapter 4, there is, there is a division, and that prohibits your growth. And we need to take care of that right now. It was, I'm sure it was a common, uh, not, not, not a common, but a well-known situation because he calls them both by name, right? And he says, I just want them, I just want them to be of one mind. Just of one mind. So that you can move forward. So that the church may grow. So, church... Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And it wasn't Paul. It was in Timothy. And it was in Epaphroditus as well. And it can be in you. Let's pray. Our Father, how majestic is your name. How wonderful is your book. The depth of the knowledge of Christ is found in this book. And Father, maybe tonight some of us would say, man, I, 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 I don't think I possess that mind. Maybe tonight there would be a realization of the importance of having this mind, of being willing to let go of some of our benefits for the benefits of someone else, some of our pleasures for the blessing of someone else. Maybe God, someone today would say that. And I pray, God, that collectively we would all be on mission because, God, there are so many people that still need to hear your word, receive Christ as their Savior, and then grow into mature disciples of him. And I pray, God, you would do all these things in the blessed, awesome, holy, wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. On behalf of everyone at Beacon Baptist Church, we thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that your heart and life has been impacted through the biblical truths of this message. If you have questions or would like more information, please contact us through our website at beaconbaptistchurch.org. That's beaconbaptistchurch.org. May the Lord bless you.